Hello, Rip City. To all of you here in town and in every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying this beautiful Saturday, the 9th of November. I am Keith Hilton Smith. He is Ty Delbridge. What up? You are listening to Podland Trailcasters, and as always, you can find us at Trailcasters on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can write us those lovely emails at trailcasters at gmail.com. Also, always find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere else out there that you find podcasts. If you can't find it, please let us know. And Ty, what are we always looking for? Five stars. That is correct as well. Two for two, sir, this morning. And uh, Odar, these lovely beats right now you can find from Odar at soundcloud.com slash odarbeats. Please support your local artists. Also, support all of your local journalists, such as the lovely guests we have on here today. Originally, I believe we met back at Rip City Project, if that is correct. Uh, and you, sir, will be graduating from the University of Oregon in uh, in the spring this year in journalism, as I hear. And you are co- uh, currently contributing at Blazer's Edge, as well as recently getting back from Qatar covering track. My God, man, that is an awesome adventure. I want to hear all about it at another point. But today, he is here to talk Blazer's with us. Please, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Nate man of blazes edge how you doing sir good thanks for having me on i'm excited thank you for coming man been uh been hoping to get you on here for a long time and there's always bullets to dodge but it feels like this is just uh it's the right time and man i wish we could do a two-hour pod today just to keep talking about all this the, the track adventure that you had i'm sure the the culture over there the politics like you mentioned to us earlier uh i'm sure there's all sorts of stories but how do you feel about uh keeping it blazer centric today think we can do that I think I can stick with that, maybe. <laughs> I think we can manage. Uh, shout out to our sponsors real quick as well. Envy Adventures and clearly speaking, Oregon.com. Envy Adventures, E-N-V-I, Adventures.com. You can find them uh, online and they have flights starting as low as I think they've had some recent deals going as low as like 40 bucks or so into the low hundreds. These flights are around Portland, the Gorge, Mount Hood, the Dunes, anywhere in the beautiful beautiful Pacific Northwest that you want to go and check out, they can get you there. Go and check them out at E-N-V-I, Adventures.com. And... Speak to Brendan Nuckton, one of our OG listeners at clearlyspeakingoregon.com. She can help you with any sort of accent reduction for public speaking, any sort of voice fatigue if you podcast all day. If your voice gets hoarse, like we heard last episode when I had the halftime report uh, with some of our listeners at the Philly game, that did not end up going so well. My voice was cracking. My voice was uh, high and accelerated because I was yelling. And often we hear here on the podcast that I am stuttering and I am rapidly speeding through things because I'm always concerned about running too long. But you know what? I'm going to keep you guys here all day because that is what Brendan would tell me to do the proper voice habits and, uh, and, and the, the things that can really help you sustain your voice long term and keep me podcasting for the next hundred years of trailcasters. I can only do that if I am following the proper habits. And you can find those habits from Brenda at clearlyspeakingoregon.com. Go and check out those websites today. Okay, got Killed through it. that part. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the games this week. We uh, we ended last week with the Philly game, which did not go so well for us. I think that was the second disappointing home loss for the Blazers. This week, we had not only another disappointing home loss, but let's just add two road losses on top of it. Why not, guys? Uh, Monday, we start off the week at Golden State, a 127 to 118 loss. I don't want to stick on this too long, but uh, let's just, just you know, just details from it. Uh, my... Ty, I'm sure you uh, had some good laughs at what has to be my love-hate relationship with Pascal or Paschal. I'm not sure how you say his last name. Pascal, yeah. Pascal. See, that's how bad this is. I don't even know know. the dude's last name, but he is crushing for my fantasy roster, and he crushed the Blazers in all the wrong ways on Monday. Uh, Uh, Nate, did you watch this one? Oh, man. Um, That was actually a tough game to watch. Uh, I think I hit four minutes left in the fourth quarter, and I was like, What's keeping this on for me right now? <laughs> Why am I not turning this off and going and doing something else with my night? So, 
um, yeah, the, the first three quarters, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll come back. Like, this is, this is a G League Warriors team. We're playing the Santa Cruz Warriors right now. <laughs> and then start getting more and more into the fourth quarter. I was like, well, it's not going to happen. It's <laughs> What is going on? And then four minutes hit, and I just stared at the TV for four minutes and walked off and enjoyed the rest of my night. Right, oh, yeah. So frustrating. And then their G League team was just talking smack during the game, which was pissing yeah. me off. And then they went to IG afterwards. I think it was I think it was Jordan Poole. He posted something like he was talking smack to Rodney Hood. And I'm like, you guys have earned nothing. You got some lucky win. Like, the Blazers clearly did not show up. But, of course, we give them their first win in their brand-new arena when they don't have Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, or D'Angelo uh. Russell. I just, I mean, what else do you expect from, this, from the Blazers? I mean, it just only makes sense that they would hand them that loss after being swept by them in the playoffs, and then the first time they play them, they lose to them. It's just, it, does, it does seem like something about that franchise just seems to be our kryptonite recently. The fact that they could uh, roll through us that easily with that roster, like you're saying. I am a little curious. I wasn't looking at it as closely for this game on Monday, but the next two games of the week, there were some serious officiating questions, and so I almost kind of want to go back and see if there was any sort of bias in that game as well and i'm, I'm not you know Ty, you may be new to this yeah yeah that's, that's probably true <laughs> the blazers <laughs> have nobody that, right now and i think this is going to be a problem going on it was the same problem for the oregon state beavers last night they have nobody who can be physical they have right. they they just get pushed over okay. they just get bowled over but I this mean, is pascal's kinda... like 270 pounds and he just trucked through everybody on the blazers there's nobody who could handle it okay so so part of it could be the idea that we had pascal in there who is an, an unknown it's hard to scout or it's hard to kind of like prepare your team for a player that is just different from what you're used to but i do think what you mentioned with the physicality part of that is what came up in these next two games i think it at certain points becomes hard for the blazers to play physical if things are being called in one direction that don't seem to get called as much in the other case and point was the game on thursday uh the close loss against the clippers i'm moving straight on from that golden state game unless any of you want to add anything big to it uh but there's absolutely not <laughs> the second loss of the week uh 107 to 101 in la against the clippers wearing these old school braves jerseys Let, let's start with that some positive here did you see these uh these jerseys the alternates that they had uh i guess it's some reference towards the uh i don't remember exactly where the franchise was help me out here if either of you guys know but the braves buffalo was buffalo it braves was I it? Really? I, I think I want to say it was Buffalo. I think that's Bears, crazy. He's on it. Yeah. Watch me just be like on the wrong side of the. Uh, <laughs> Something was like, a Buffalo Braves. It was either a baseball team, a football team, or a basketball team. Someone was <laughs> Buffalo Braves. <laughs> either way, the Clippers were wearing these Braves jerseys, and I did see a connection that Dr. Jack actually coached the Braves back before the Blazers were a Ooh. team. So that was kind of a cool, uh, cool connection here between uh, both rosters. Unfortunately, it did not really aid the Blazers in any uh, stretch, at any point down there, as far as any sort of nostalgia for it. Um, I, I'd be curious, though. I, I want to know a little more about that, so maybe we can do some follow-up on that one. As far as the actual game itself, uh, one more good highlight, I guess. Mario Hazonia. I liked how he was playing D on Kawhi. He had some nice swipes there. He played uh, physical as much as they would let him tie. I think he was playing physical. But the problem is that he couldn't find his shot. And it seemed like Bazemore... You know what? This actually kind of reminded me of Mo Harkless and Al Farouk Aminu, where it seemed like the two of them were always our wings that were supposed to be defensive players and three-point shooters and one night you'd have one hitting threes and the other one would be defending never seem to be able to do both too well or too consistently i feel like that's what we saw from mario a little bit he was playing good d on Kawhi, but couldn't find a shot and then Bazemore, his shot looked good but he was getting called for every ticky tack foul every touch or sneeze on a player he was getting a, a call for it and he couldn't it was keeping him from playing good defense 
So uh, you're saying that Mo and or Mario and Bazemore are the new Mo and Aminu? It's possible, man. I'm just saying there's a comparison. Do you see it? <laughs> I mean, defensive and here and there contributing on offense. Yeah, I guess. Um, Bazemore's shot hasn't been a letdown because I think there's just been a lot of other letdowns that the bar is really low. Yeah, that's for, true. Like what we're expecting out of players. So Bazemore is certainly not on the list of people to be shouting and throwing your fist at. Yeah, uh, there's enough to complain about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but I don't know. I feel like his defense, I think I tweeted this a while ago, but like his defense will be really important for the Blazers. But right now, they can't rotate well. Like they don't know who to guard. There's so many times I'll see two guys standing on one dude and there's no communication of, hey, there's two of us standing right next to each other guarding like the third offensive option for their team. <laughs> we need to go find the guy who's wide open in the corner who they're inevitably going to find. So until they can make those rotations and have that communication, Bazemore's defense, while it gets steals here and there, it just kind of throws the offense or the defense running around all the place, all over the place. Yeah, I, I think. Or sorry, go ahead, Ty. No, you're good. I I don't have much to say. Uh, I found it curious that the Clippers saved Kawhi for us instead of the Bucks. We obviously were right. more of a threat to them. They felt like. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I thought his defense was all right on Kawhi. I mean, he went off in the fourth quarter like he's been doing all season. So, I mean, there was nothing too different for him. He still had 27-13 or whatever and killed us down the stretch. And I think Bazemore right now, he's in a tough spot because he's being asked to come in and hit shots. His defense is good, but yeah, like he is getting called for ticky-tacky. And right now, I mean, like kind of looks like he's losing out to Simons in the rotation now. So now he's not even getting enough minutes to find a groove. So he's in a tough spot, but I'm with Nate. I think his defense and stuff over time will really help the Blazers. I think he'll find his role and I think he will be very important to them down the stretch. Um, Yeah. You take it. Yeah. I I think, I think his defense will come around. I'm not too worried about it long-term. I just, and like you said as well, Nate, this is a uh, a bench issue. Just the fact that it's a bench player having this issue, I feel like we have bigger fish to fry right now. Um, I, I I do want to stick in one more quote here about the officiating just because I feel like it came up not only in the Clippers game but even more so again in Brooklyn. And it's not just fan conspiracy here, but we're hearing quotes from the players and from Stotts. Dame had a thing after the Clippers game. He had a quote saying, it seems like everything we did was a foul tonight. It was a tough situation. I was living in the paint all night and I shot two free throws. One of those was a technical even. I feel like that was a major factor tonight, the free throw disparity. And he, he's not wrong about that, right? I mean, I, I, I do think at a certain point, I, I, I am sorry, guys. I know this is a, if anyone has listened to this pod before, they know this is a broken record thing for me. But I do feel like at a certain point, the officiating, calling things differently on one of the floor than the other, if they are if they are letting reputation for a player, for a player who is known to be more defensive, if they are allowing a defensive-minded player to be swatting at guys, to begin more physical, to be grabbing in certain ways, to be pulling on jerseys or hitting hips, and then they see a player on the other floor, whether they want to say that he's a rookie or just not a player known for defensive stuff, so they're not going to give him that same... Uh, uh, flexibility, that's that's going to affect the games. It's going to affect the outcomes. And I feel like that is one of the biggest central problems with basketball going forward when you have fans that can so clearly see all these camera angles, all these slowdowns, all the reality of what's happening. If you can't get the calls right, I don't see that. I don't think that's going to be an issue that goes away. Yeah, I think two things on that. One is the coach's challenge is bringing that to light a little bit because, like, you don't show every replay of every foul ever. Maybe the broadcast will show ones that the crowd is booing really loudly at to justify their booing. 
but now like you're getting challenges that are overturning calls and it's like yeah they are missing calls and it's human refs like you're gonna miss calls here and there but when it's just blatant throughout the game and I don't know if any game this season has been as bad as we've seen in the past or even like let's say Rockets games or something or I think there was a Pacers Hornets where it was like 47 to 13 free throw disparity which is just like no team is playing that different of offense to warrant that many more fouls or that bad of defense so I think the coach's challenge is just showing that like they're making mistakes we know that but and they're allowed to make mistakes it just can't be so systematic with that well let me let me ask you about this too we talked with ryan witty last week from blazers tag pod uh, blazer tag podcast uh and we were talking about these coaches challenges and he mentioned that the percentage of calls getting overturned is not that high he said it was below 50 percent, and i believe i've actually seen since then through spn that the rate of calls getting overturned is only in the 30s like 36 percent ish kind of thing I'm not sure if that's going to stick around all season. Maybe I think it is one of these things where we often see refs fluctuate how they call things early in the season versus later in the year. So maybe when the season goes on, maybe more as a, as coaches learn to use these challenges more appropriately as well, maybe we'll see more calls getting overturned. But in my opinion, even if only one in three calls is being proven to be like, hey, you got that one wrong, I still think that's enough, man. If, if one in three calls is wrong down the stretch, and you can correct that, then that's worth doing. Would you agree with that, Nate, or do you think it's only really worth it if the overturned uh, calls are a higher percentage, like if we're turning over half the calls? No, I mean, it's worth it. I was against the coach's challenge as far as just slowing down the game right. uh, like a year ago. And then once it started this year, it really hasn't been that bad. And it's like reviewing a call in the final two minutes. It's going to happen. It's important. And I think it's worth it even if you get one right here and there. I mean, like Terry Stotts flipped the outcome of a game with the coach's challenge. He could get all of them wrong for the rest of the season. And you could be like, hey, it literally won the Blazers a game. Yeah. So I would consider it a success because last year you don't get that win. I think we even had an over-under on a previous episode, too. I'll have to go and look this up. But I think we were talking about how many games do you think Coach's Challenge could actually, uh, how many could it earn you? And I think I was thinking about the game, the line being around eight and a half, or maybe a listener wrote in about eight and a half games. You could literally change the outcome. Uh, if you can change the outcome of eight and a half games with those Coach's Challenges, I don't see how you don't keep it in. Uh, and that was the other real question on it. Ty, I think we talked before about, is this a Pandora's box situation, or is it something that if... If the fans aren't appreciating it or if you feel like the league is not really using it correctly, do you see them putting this away now that they've brought it out? The coach's challenge, I mean, do you see this going away or now that it's here, is it here to stay? Um, I think it will be tough to take it away, but I mean, or so let's say they go into the summer and I, I don't think it's an owner's meeting. I'm not sure who votes on it, but I mean, let's say like 90% of them go, yeah, it was stupid, let's not do it. Then obviously they're going to toss it. But I think it's going to be pretty tough for the NBA to get rid of it. And I also see them maybe making like improvements. And then, and then, and then I don't know, like maybe like they try and present something new to the owners and go, all right, hey, let's use this now. You get two challenges or we'll do this. Or now we have a guy who's monitoring more stuff. I don't know. Just maybe so they'll try what, and improve it. How about that? What do you want to see from this? And Nate, let's throw it over to you actually. What do you want to see if... How could they improve the coach's challenge for next year? What are you thinking at this point? Would it be adding one more challenge? Would it be adding uh, like a sky judge or like a, another ref on the floor, something that can like uh, uh, expedite the process? Uh, like, what do you think would be the best uh, advantage for this? I think without thinking too hard on it, um, I would structure it more like footballs, not have two challenges and a bonus one because that just seems like a lot and that would slow down the game in my opinion. But just, if you get a challenge correct, and I don't think this is the case now, if you get a challenge correct, instead of just keeping the timeout that you would have lost had the challenge been incorrect, 
um, to give them another challenge. So that way coaches don't just have to sit on their challenge and hope that there's some controversial call at the end of the game. Sure. That you could use it in like the third quarter when it like influenced a run, let's say like someone gets fouled on a three pointer, like Doncic diving into Collins, like maybe they review that and they overturn it and that's three points Dallas doesn't get on a run and it changes the outcome of the game early on. And then now you still have one more challenge and you're not afraid to use it on a call like that. You can that makes save it for the end of the game. And yeah. then, I, I don't know, it just adds a little more power to it, in my opinion. Yeah, adds power without giving it without giving the coaches a huge uh, arsenal of ways to ice the game. Like just having one, but if you get it right, you can keep it. That makes sense. Uh, Ty, anything else for that one? Or should we move on to the, the final game of the week? Let's move on to the game of the week. <laughs> Final game of the week was last night against Brooklyn. Another close home loss, 119 to 115. Uh, this game, man, I really thought after the struggles we had on the road, after how we'd seen these kind of close games where they just couldn't finish out, I thought this was going to be one where we could come home, be healthy. Brooklyn was missing DeAndre Jordan. Obviously, they're missing Kevin Durant. Uh, and yeah, we're having our own front court issues, but I felt like this would be a, a better spot for us. And even with Dame going off for 60 points on Shapers. 57% field goal shooting, seven threes, and 15 of 15 from the line, he has an incredible one of his best games, probably, statistically overall. Uh, and we still fall by four points. That's spoiled. Yeah, um, what I found kind of, I don't know, frustrating, but what I found, I don't know, what I was worried about was we were coming off back-to-back, -back and the Nets hadn't played since, what, like Tuesday or Monday, right. so they'd been in Portland for a couple of days, and then we played a 7.30, like, national TV game, so though, what, that doesn't usually tip till, like, what, like, like 7.50? And then that goes till midnight, and then they fly back. They got home at 3 a.m., and then they got to play this high-scoring Nets team who's been resting for a couple of days. So I found that kind of annoying. Uh, but, yeah, it got spoiled. Um, I feel bad for Dame. He had 60 points. Uh, I tweeted last night. I think it was Kyrie and Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, so they combined for 67 points. And then so Dame and CJ, they combined for 68 points. And CJ only had eight <laughs> Dude, points. That's ridiculous. So... Um, yeah, it was uh, sad. I felt bad for Dame. Um, it was nice to see him come out just like right away and be aggressive. Uh, like, I mean, I mean, so it's, so it's felt like the last couple games he's kind of waited for his team to get it going, and then he'll jump on. Now he was like, I can't wait for you guys. I have to get going now. So maybe he has to do that. But I'm scared if he continues to do that and he gets no help, he's gonna gas out by game 50 and. Hmm. Yeah. So he needs I mean, help. we've seen it happen to Harden. Yeah, exactly. The last few seasons. Yeah. So, I mean, what's different with Dame, even though? I mean, CJ is... CJ has disappeared. He's averaging 19 points. He's shooting 38% from the field, and he's shooting 32% from three. Like, slow starts, but, I mean, the Blazers can't have this when they first 13 games are on... Or, yeah, his first 13 games are on the road. Or not first 13, 13 but 13 first 18. 20. Yeah, something yeah. like that. So... They needed a quick start. Uh, it's frustrating when Dame can go off for sixty points like that, and CJ can't even get eight points, or he can't even get ten points in forty minutes. Like, and he was trying too. Like, that's the frustrating part. He's he can't get his floater. He can't get in the mid range. He can't get the three to fall. He completely bricked. I think it was close in the fourth <laughs> quarter, like a minute or two. He had a wide open shot and just completely bricked it. Like, I'm frustrated, um, and I know a lot of Blazers fans are. And then, I mean, like I know it's early, but. There's been some not good signs so far. Right. So I, I did I not get... think they would be three and six at this point. 
So I, I want to get to some of those specific issues and like some of the we, you know the CJ and the Hassan hate in a second. Uh, Nate, anything else you want to talk about this game? Anything you want to mention about that Brooklyn game specifically that stood out to you, or or should we just kind of move on towards the topicals? Um, I, I feel like the stuff that I'll bring up will um, come up in the, the we'll topic in a question, second. so I'll <laughs> sure. hold off. Yeah, so basically just to summarize this trip, though, or not just the trip, like you said, Ty, Portland is now 3-6. and six. We haven't won a home game through the first nine games. Uh, we, we've only lost three home games, I guess, is the other way to look at that. It's not like we've <laughs> lost nine home games in the first nine. Uh, but we and all those losses at home have been close as well. It was a close opening and loss versus, sorry, close opening night loss versus Denver. Close loss last Saturday versus Philly by one point, and then the close loss last night against Brooklyn. Uh, on the other hand, we are three and three on the road. So if we're talking about a, a road-heavy start to the uh, schedule, going 500 on the road is not a horrible bad sign, right? As far as uh, is this maybe a measuring stick that we can look at with a little more pride, a little more kind of a, a hope and happiness and optimism about the idea that through this first rough stretch of road games, we will at least be able to kind of hold, like weather the storm there. And then it will just be about kind of figuring out the, uh, the home court issues. Any, any, any optimism, optimism with me on that? Or am I just crazy? What do you guys think? Nate? I, I agree. Um, I mean, three and three on the road is certainly not bad. I don't think the Blazers went even on the road last year. I don't have the number in front of me, but it couldn't have been that far off. So it's a good sign with all this stuff that is going on that they can maintain an even record on the road. But then the problem is they're one of the best home court teams. And so to see them go 0-3 at the start of the season when they're doing decent on the road isn't a good sign because normally they pick up those games at home that they've had one of the best home records to make up for the not-so-good road record. And now that they have a better road record, they're losing the home court advantage. So they just need the two to come together. Yeah, it it I I could I I I think it will come together, but I don't know. It, it's it is certainly a worry that it's uh that it's been such a slow start on the home court. Ty, were you gonna jump in there? Were you gonna say something? Um, yeah. Uh, I think <laughs> yeah. I'm all bunch of I'm full optimism today. Uh, <laughs> Over there cheap. in the hoodie, like I, I like the. I'm cold. My house is freezing, but I think I need it. It's black. I think it's. It's it's fitting at the moment. It's good. Man. Just with with the glowing mic in front of you, this nice new like uh, mic upgrade you got there. It looks like you got a little campfire and like the the blazer hoodie over yep. the top and the blazer flag. It's like my you're trying to get your blazer uh, fandom to keep you warm I'm here. Trying. Just- <laughs> I'm trying. Well, see, I do like the wins on the road, but the but what sucks about the home losses is 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 that's one two like the Nuggets. So that's a I mean so that's like a Western Conference opponent. And also, that's like a divisional opponent. And then you lose two games to these Eastern Conference teams who you only play twice. So now you're 0-2 versus the Eastern Conference, and you're 0-1 against a rival. So that's kind of frustrating. And I was looking at the Blazers' record last year because I know we started off hot last year. And so guess at what date last year, uh, I mean, so the Blazers lost their sixth game. How far in were we when we when we lost six games last wait, year? Wait, wait, wait. I want I want to throw a guess out there. Um, December third, close, December 3rd? but it was in November. Oh. Oh, November twenty first was was our sixth loss, and so that was against the Bucks, and that was on the road. So to, today being the ninth, that is a solid two weeks later in the season last year when we would have had a, when we would have added up to six losses. So yeah, a bit of a slower start this year <laughs> than we've had in the past. But we've also always seen the Blazers come out hot in the end of the season. Uh, as far as the actual schedule balance, we seem to always have a really hot March at the end of the year. So 
I do think there's some hope that if we can manage to kind of weather this early storm, uh, it won't be all bad for us down the road. And a 500 road record is not a total bad sign. Maybe hopefully the, the next three home games, we can kind of even out the home record as well. We'll see how it goes. Let's talk about the topicals and the backcourt issues first. Dame, as we said in the uh, Brooklyn game, has been on fire. We saw him also in the game against uh, San Antonio really light up at the end and fall just short of saving the team. Uh, CJ, on the other hand, has been the complete flip side of the coin. Like we said in the game reviews, he, as opposed to being on fire, he's kind of more burning down. He's, I feel like he's kind of smoldering into ashes right now. Uh, the numbers have not been good for him so far, but I, I, I think what this is adding up to, especially with Anthony Simons, how good he is starting to look in the minutes that he's playing. I think people are really starting to, it's, it's falling to the, what have you done for me lately mindset. I think a lot of fans are seeing Anthony and instantly getting back to this idea of, well, Hey, if we've got Dame and we've got Anthony, that's two good guards. Let's see if we can trade CJ, get him out of here. I think this is ridiculous. I, it, we're only nine it's games It's never in. happening. It's, uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Nate, what about you? Like, Do you think, is there any validity to talking about getting rid of CJ right now? No. I mean, they just extended him. They're, yeah, it's exactly. a small market. Yeah, it's a small market. You keep what you have. You're not just going to, like, for small markets, you need to have a good image with players to encourage someone to come. And it's not good to give him the Isaiah Thomas treatment from the Celtics a few years ago. So I don't think they will. I mean, people can keep calling for it and I wouldn't necessarily say I'm in support of trading CJ, but like they have a lot of guards and there are other positional needs and he's certainly an asset that people want. You can't deny that, but the Blazers are going to pull a trigger on this. No, it's so, not going to happen. So I mean, I don't even think they'll make another trade. Honestly, um, they might, but it's it's not going to have CJ in it. Well, let me, we'll get to the other trade options too. Uh, Cause I think there is some conversation there at least, but let's, what do we do with CJ then? Like, let's talk about that. If we're not going to trade him away and he is in this slump where he's not passing the ball, like he's passing the ball even less than he used to. And it was already a problem. He's not shooting well. Uh, he's not getting to the line. He's not playing particularly good defense, even from what we've seen from him before. You can't bench him though, right? If, if you bench him, his value only sinks. Uh, you cause more kind of locker room drama. So what can we you do other than just leave keep him it going? There's, there's, yeah, there's, you just keep rolling. There's, not, there's nothing you really can do. Uh, he's not getting traded. I like CJ. I've really been like down on him this year. I've been one of his big. I've been one of the more like bigger critics of him. But I'm a huge fan of him. I don't want to see him traded. It worked last year. We saw it work in the playoffs. We saw what he has it going. We saw what he's capable of doing. Um, yes, I don't want to see him traded, but I would be open to it to see what teams would give us for him. Uh, but right now, there's nothing. Yeah, or, but right now there is nothing. <laughs> to do you just continue to play you hope he figures it out he's not getting traded uh i mean or so long as neil o'shea is here he's not getting traded like, right i can tell you that like if they fired o'shea then maybe that would be more convinced but right now he's not getting rid of damon cj ever he, or like he added those guys he extended those guys he's not yeah. ever gonna give up on them it worked for him last year so you just keep it out. You just keep it going, and you hope CJ just gets out of this slump that he's shown he's gotten into slumps like this before. Uh, yeah. But he just needs he, to get out had, of it. He had kind of a down year all last regular season. I remember we were kind of criticizing him for some of his play and some of his choices, and then he really uh, showed up in the playoffs, and we needed that. It was essential for for our run down the stretch, the deepest run in the playoffs we've had in in how long? Like nineteen years, I think is what it was last year. Yeah. Uh, so let's move to the front court though, because I agree. It sounds like we are all in agreement that. 
you got to stand pat with the backcourt. There's not a lot of change. And Simons isn't getting traded either. They're not moving. Yeah, yet. Simons not getting moved. Here, there you star. go. Let's let's kind of a, a for a, a bit of a palate cleanser, get a better taste in our mouth, just like we did with the the road or the regular season record so far. Kind of got to end on some good notes about the three and three road record. Uh, as far as a good note with the backcourt. Yes, we were having trouble with CJ, but I saw a nice tweet from Jared Cowley over at KGW, friend of the show. Hey! He said, here's a fun stat. In 49 minutes this uh, this season, when Dame and Anthony Simons have been on the court together, the Trailblazers have outscored opponents by 25.3 points per 100 possessions. That's Lillard's best net rating with any teammate. And then Team Mom, another friend of the show, Tara, hey! she followed up and said, also, Dame and Scal, in 57 minutes, 23.81 net rating. So two very solid net ratings uh, for Dame and one of these young new teammates here so it's not all bad we we can i think we can afford to stand pat with the backcourt let's talk about the front court <laughs> last week when we pod podcasted we had just talked about how zach uh was injured and his camp had declared that they will be getting shoulder surgery there was not yet a timeline announced uh ty we have since learned that zach will be out at least four months probably more like the entirety of the regular I season i don't think he plays at all this year i don't think we Are see him again Unless they make a Nate? playoff run, like I mean, unless they're like third, fourth, fifth seed, then they bring him back. But I mean, let's say like they're even fighting for the seventh or eighth seed, they're not going to bring him back. You're talking in the regular season. You don't think we see him in the in the regular season, but we'd see him in the playoffs. <laughs> I don't think if he or so. Let's say we get in as an eight seed, then I think it's even then it might be, maybe not. I think huh? they're just so. I think they are very high on him, and they're not going to risk this year for a shoulder that could possibly hurt him there in the off season and then next year and then the following year and then it lingers on. So, so you're saying because of the, the complication of shoulder injuries and dislocations that they are just going to go absolutely uber careful and slow, bringing him back. If Nate, this season does not start picking up. Yeah. What, what do you think? Nate? Like, do, are you in the same camp? Like, I'm not sure if I'm fully sold on that tie. I feel like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like, uh, even as an eighth seed with how thick the West playoffs are, I think there could be just as much chance of maybe not as much chance of an upset in the eighth but seed. But in four I, months, it's they're looking at him in four months. It's not even right, him getting back to basketball in four months. They're going to check his shoulder out in four months. Then let's say he's good to go. Then he's need to spend three weeks getting back in basketball shape. All right, Nate, jump in here. Where, where are you at on this? Um, I always feel uncomfortable commenting on injuries, not that we shouldn't, but like there was already so much secrecy with the, mm. the status of the surgery, when his timetable, this, that, and the next thing that like everybody was like, ball. is this, yeah, and it, it was kind of unprecedented, like, I don't know, I'm thinking back to the Marcus Aldridge when he, it was his hand or something a couple yep. of years ago, yeah. and then he didn't like to get surgery, I don't know, so I just always feel uncomfortable like throwing out something, but I would imagine they play it safe with a younger player. And although he's an impactful player, it's not like CJ's out and like he's the key to the Blazers going deep in the playoffs. Like him coming right. in and us playing the Clippers, like Blazers might not get through a seven-game series against the Clippers with or without Zach Collins. So there's no reason to rush him back and potentially injure something more. Yeah. Not saying the season's lost, but saying that like Zach Collins isn't the answer to save the season. Zach isn't the only piece we're missing, essentially. Like, if we had everything else lined up, if Nurk was healthy and all the other guys were playing well, then maybe it would be more of like, okay, let's get him in here and have the full roster. But yeah, at this point, it does seem a little more like we have uh, enough holes in the in the manifold right now that we don't necessarily need to worry about patching that one if we can't get the rest of them taken care of. Let's talk about one of these other holes, though. Uh, we mentioned earlier the hate on Whiteside, especially after the Clippers game. Uh, he had a really poor half in the first half of the Clippers game. And on the TNT halftime show, Shaq and Chuck were tearing him apart. Like, oh man, like, so working at NBC, I, I was, I, I've watched some of these clips so many times because we use them for the shows there. 
I, I feel like I could almost quote word for word some of the, the Shaq and Chuck hate man, but I'm not, I'm not even going to go there because I don't think Whiteside is deserving of, of all that. He showed up way better in the second half. Uh, I think the real question is coming down right now. Where are his problems coming from? Is this purely an issue of, uh, is, is this Whiteside is who he is? Is he simply not a motivated dude? He's 30 years old, so you can't blame him on being young. So is this just a guy who is not uh, energized? Is he is he a bit lazy? Does he not have good fundamentals? He's not really as motivated as we thought he would be by trying to get that next contract. Or is this maybe a little more of a situation where he is still just trying to find, he's still coming off a bit of an ankle injury in the preseason. He's not 100% on the court. He's still trying to get used to a system that he probably didn't have a whole lot of time to get accustomed to since he was injured in the preseason. Uh, I, I feel like I'm leaning a little more that way. I still want to give this guy a little more room to breathe. I'm not ready to judge that white side is not the appropriate fit in Portland. But Nate, how do you feel? You've probably looked a little closer at uh, some numbers and at least some, I'm sure you've done some writing on Blazers Edge over there. Uh, wh- where are you at on, on white side and kind of how patient Blazer fans should be after this week? Um, I mean, there's nothing that's going to convince Blazer fans to not be patient. It's like a game-by-game <laughs> reaction. 100% and, I mean, true. I've fallen victim to it. And I, I've always kind of been anti-white side i, I oh, still really? think it was a good move because the blazers needed a center like you couldn't have put out pal who's injured and then scal like they needed someone and white side was available and his contract is expiring so not angry about the trade but just the what he can offer the team and i'm i don't want to comment again with like similar to the injury stuff i don't want to comment if he's lazy or unmotivated that's something within the organization to figure out and heat fans can come on in and say it all they want but i mean he's he's gonna get his money and he's gonna play whatever basketball he wants to play there's nothing that's gonna change that but i do think there are a lot of other factors that are contributing to his um, subpar play and his uh, slower movement is i guess how i would categorize it uh, he is coming off an ankle injury he is a big dude like we've seen all of our centers in recent years just get absolutely blown by and that's why we have such bad drop coverage so I, I'm not ready to just mail it in with him or say trade him immediately, but there are a lot of things to fix. And I think Kenny it, at the inside the NBA was at, offering a little more color than just saying he's lazy and unmotivated and going to the bank yeah, every yeah. two months or whatever yeah. it was. He actually has something um, to say until that, Chuck was interrupting him about the bank thing the whole time. But yeah, yeah. Do you remember what Kenny was saying? Um, it was just about like he doesn't know what he does well. I think is what the gist of it was and I think that's a fair point to make that he's trying to do too much when he has very specific things that he is good at and then things that he's not good at and that's how every player works and the better players have less of the things that they're not good at that's just how it works so offensive rebounding he's done a great job that's been a huge bonus getting those extra shot attempts because the Blazers aren't taking the greatest shots in the world um, defensive rebounding, there's room for improvement. He doesn't put a body on guys. He doesn't box out. He just relies on his ability to jump higher than the other guy and reach higher and just right. get a rebound based on skill rather than like a bad bounce will lead to an offensive rebound to the other team. He needs to work on setting screens. So there's just like individual things that he needs to focus more on improving because he doesn't need to offer everything. He doesn't need to be shooting three pointers on pick and pops. Like he's got things that he needs to contribute. 
and then the rest of the offense and the defense will make up for it. Like every shot that goes in the air, he, in the paint, he doesn't need a block. Just contest it, get a body, and don't give up those second chance points. Exactly. And I feel like, again, this is something we've always heard about Whiteside. He's the stat king. Uh, we had, well, I think it was Varun Bose hey. two weeks ago, one of our guests on here from Bleach Report. He called uh, Whiteside the stat king, and that was exactly his point. He goes for those blocks. He's not, the, a huge difference between how he and Nurkic played defense is a lot of Nurk's defense is not counting stats. He would alter shots where he's not necessarily getting the block, but he's making it more difficult for the player to take a shot. Where Whiteside is going to let you take the shot and he's going to go to just swipe it out of there. But if you see that swipe coming and you pass off to a teammate, that teammate has an open lane because Whiteside is already committed. That... I don't think this problem is even specific to Whiteside, honestly. I feel like you could say a lot of the same issue about Kent Bazemore, uh, about yep. maybe Rodney Hood. Uh, and and you know, we, I think this is something that you're going to see a bit of when you have, what, was it eight new players on the roster this year? And all of the, almost all of them being rotation guys. So I think that is a bit more nuanced of a take and more accurate, therefore. But like you said earlier, you're not going to really get Portland fans or any fan base for that point uh, to really be able to buy into that. They are much more going to be the reactionary fans that are already to kind of jump on something uh, and and have a, have a straw man. I, I think I think didn't one come in oh, with sorry, super go. high expectations. You're good. Uh, so like I didn't come in like with <laughs> super high expectations on Whiteside. Like I thought he'd be good. Uh, obviously, it's kind of frustrating to see how he's been. But I mean, like he's averaging 14, 13, two blocks a game. Yeah, I mean, look at that. I, I mean, like I would take that from the starting center. I think he just. I think he just maybe needs to figure it out. I, I don't think he's healthy. Um, I think he maybe thought this would go better than this, so maybe he's a little frustrated that I mean that they're only three and six. I thought maybe he thought they'd come in and and then like and then like he would be the key to everything, but right. I think it's taking time. Uh, I think it was Casey Holdall or Joe Freeman or somebody was talking about on Twitter saying that I. I think it was Dame had to get into them at halftime on the Clippers game. Like it was yeah. players were actually getting on him. So I think it that was actually, is more the biggest problem now is if it's our problem or maybe that should help is it now like that his teammates are like, yo, you need to help out. Like you need to use yourself. You're skilled. Help us. <laughs> Quick shout out uh, to Jamie Hudson, actually, who wrote that article. I saw the, the other night as well. And I had a quote on here from Dame about that. Let me just pull this up if I can find it. Dame says, just in the huddle, a few times in the first half, he set a good screen and then didn't roll. Defensively, he was slow to react. Not just him, we had a few guys, same thing. Uh, but I think he just kind of was taking it to heart. Whiteside was taking it to heart. He was receptive to one or two people getting on him. Like, we need you to dive harder. We need you to finish in the paint. We need you to move a little faster. And he definitely stepped it up. So, yeah, I think to your point, Ty, and to Jamie's point, that this is something where we're still seeing Whiteside and the other players getting used to their roles here, getting used to the fit and the and the feel in Portland. This is what happens. This is the value of chemistry that people have undervalued so much the last couple seasons. This is what happens when you have roster turnover. These guys are talented, and I think by the end of the year we will see a much better uh, machine, a much smoother machine going, but it's just going to take a little bit of time, and we need to try to avoid burning it all down before we get there. Okay, so as far as uh, the front court, though, I do want to bring up some uh, some questions and messages we actually have from our fantasy, our, our Trailcasters Fantasy League. Some people wrote in there, uh, kind of related to a lot of this. Rose City Champs says, I could see Portland somehow going out to pick up a free agent like Fareed or making a trade for Gallinari, but I don't want anybody to be, anybody to be traded because we have a good team. We just have been hit with injury bug already. Things will work out. I'm kind of in that camp. It's like I was just saying, I think things will work out. And I think I heard both of you guys already say you're in a, in, in favor of not trading. Is that correct? Not looking for a new guy, not trying to pick someone up? I don't know if I'm not in favor. Like, I, I'm not attached to the current roster. I would say 
last like the last three years that the roster coming back each year it was hard it was like oh i don't want to get rid of aminu but like <laughs> there are better options out right. there as much as he contributed to the team and we miss him now uh, but i i wouldn't say i'm against uh trade i don't know if this current team even playing at their best like i would argue we saw in the first three quarters of the philadelphia game that that team is going to compete with the big dogs in the west uh i just don't think there's enough um diversity in the the playing ability and there's just so much inconsistency we see whether you want to say like they're they're at their best they can beat this team i don't think they played their best for a seven game series and i mean that happened in the last few years too and it's only going to be more exacerbated this year so i'm not against the trade um i'm against the trade for certain players um i'm just going to throw out that we shouldn't even talk about kevin love Nice. Don't even talk. Thank don't even you. talk about that trade. Thank you. Um, I'm gonna get the applause track in the background. I want to pull up some like uh, celebration music, some happy music going right here. Thank you, <laughs> Nate. I, uh, I'm sorry, Ty. I know you're a, a, Kev, a Caleb fan. I, I'm not saying. I can go either way. Yeah, that's that's fine. I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm not saying it's the worst thing in the world. You could bring in worse players, uh, but I'm not here for that guy, man. I, I think there are other op- options out there. The ones that I'm looking at, honestly, uh, Rosie Champs mentioned Gallinari. I like Gallo. But it's the short-term contract answer. He's not able, not going to be someone that we can lock up here long-term. I, I think that's right. Isn't he on his final year? Would yeah. he be another yes, final contract? Yeah. yeah. And that's uh, such a Aldridge. popular name right now. I mean, that I don't think the Blazers would do it. That's something that, like, with Neil O'Shea, with them, is they work so quietly and they yeah. work so behind the scenes. Is There's always these names. There's always these trade targets. And then it's somebody else. It's always these free agent right, signings. Right. It's always this. And then it's somebody else. So... I don't think we'll know. I think it's going to be somebody who we don't know is on the market or somebody who he's liked for a while or stuff you know like what? that. You know what we're going to have to do, Ty, is we're going to have to start looking at some of those deeper deeper uh, picks here, those deeper choices for power forward or people that we could be looking at in the Blazers roster. And you and I, maybe you, since you're on uh, win-loss or tie, uh, we're going to have to start setting. Yeah, it's a, uh, by the way, that's our betting segment, Nate, win-loss or tie. Thank you. I'm going to keep pushing that. Hashtag WLT, <laughs> right? That's what it was. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we're going to have to set up some odds for who we think these other options could be. And let's say like, it's like 4-1 to one that it will be, I don't know, Rudy Gay or something. No, I don't want Rudy Gay on the team. Please don't have it be Rudy Gay. Uh, but the point here, yeah, maybe maybe we'll get some uh, odds going for what the, the real all shape pick could be. Let me get this other question in here from our fantasy league. Uh, from City of DeRoses. By the way, I love that name. Nice move there with the, 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 the wordplay, City of DeRoses. Uh, it's funny, in fantasy, I love to trade. I've already made three of them, and I'm working on my fourth trade in my fantasy football league this year. But similar to what was said above by Rose City Champs, I don't want the Blazers to make a trade. I like last, like last year, I don't know who I'm comfortable trading right now. I like our squad. It puts us in a predicament, but instead, maybe it'll push Captain Dame to really encourage the team to step up and play through our injury bugs to our hole again. A couple bad losses during the season sucks. But as long as we can regroup by April and then postseason, we can still possess that championship mentality as we recently had. Hashtag Ripsy. So that's less of a question. More just I think they're reinforcing what we already said where it's the optimism uh, or maybe the, the, the patient mindset of let's not force a move right now. We got plenty of season left. We're only nine games in as much as this has not been the hostile that we've had before. Things could still turn around. All right, so if uh, if that's all we have on those guys, I want to get into some social media stuff here. Uh, Nate, I know we've kept you a little bit long, but let me uh, let me. You want to stick around for these guys, then we'll we'll get you out of here. No no rush. Yeah, of here. course, of cool. course. All right, so 
I sent out a tweet the other day, <laughs> which has gotten a little bit of a, a little bit of a. I don't. I don't want to say a storm, but re uh, relative to most of my my Twitter action, I feel like I've gotten a few clicks from this one. Uh, and Pinwheel Empire actually put this out there too, and I think they've kind of promoted on their end, which probably helped with a lot of the clicks that I was getting. But I wrote a uh, a PSA to Rip City. I said, all those fans, we need to chill out about Whiteside and CJ, kind of like we've been saying already. Uh, we're so damn reactionary. It's like you've never been through a full NBA season. So. The responses that I've gotten from this, I just wanted to go through some of these and see how you guys feel. Um, just kind of reading down. Uh, oh, hold on. I was looking the wrong thing. That's the response to the other thing. So there's a poll and that tweet. Um, do, 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 talking, someone. I'm going to cut this out. Sorry. Apologies. throw in when you do the uh, win loss or tie thing for the who the Blazers are gonna pick up I'm just gonna go through all the power forwards that we didn't sign in 2016 and put all my money in there. <laughs> especially yes. if they were a lottery pick back in 2013 or 2012 that's all my money is there because that's exactly what Neil is so get. predictable and he also makes the same trades with it's the Cavs the Magic uh, the Kings the right. Kings and the Heat Neil O'Shea is the ultimate fantasy GM, is what we're saying, essentially. All right, here we go. So the, the response to this this tweet that I sent out there, Blazers in five at Justin Bieleek, one of our uh, frequent listeners uh, and questioners. Everyone literally go back and read the recaps from November to January. Every season since Lamarcus Aldridge left. Slow starts, stacked West, and will never make the playoffs is always the narrative. He's right. If we keep, uh, oh, we'll never make the playoffs if we keep dropping these must-win games, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, even last year, everyone was ready to drive CJ to the airport until March. We kind of already covered this. This is kind of what we talked about. Where this is not, uh, it's not a new narrative. It's kind of redundant that Portland fans go through this. Maybe a lot of fan bases do, but yeah. Uh, Berlacious M writes: Whiteside was low energy in the first quarter, and with his upside when he is fired up and playing aggressive, being so high. It was a notable issue. It felt fair to mention. Yeah, it's, it's not unfair criticism, right? It's okay to talk about why side and the issues that we're having here, but, you know, maybe just not as uh, as as hyperbolic, I guess. Yeah, I guess too. <laughs> By the way, also, this is on the, this came to mind. We kind of skipped over it on the Nets game. We may have lost Rodney Hood for a little while due to right. back spasms. And we also, Scalabca or Lea or whatever, to our front court is hurt. So we could be down another big, who yeah. is the tallest guy besides Whiteside available. So a couple things uh, we skipped over that could be pretty crucial the next couple games. Yeah. Man, it'd be great to have a G League team, huh? We need a G League <laughs> team. I don't know how we don't have one. And then also we just brought in our two guys from the G League. You, right, uh, yeah. We got the Woj Bomb. Uh, yep. So Moses Brown and Jalen Horde uh, pop up. I actually really like Jalen Horde. Um, I watched a lot of his film during the draft process. He was a former five-star recruit from France. Uh, he's young, but he's kind of like Aminu and kind of like Harkless. He's six nine, uh, basically can uh, like he's got some skill to his offense game. He likes to play defense. I think if a couple years, if they hold on to him, they might have something there. We could cultivate our own Alfaruk Aminu slash Mo Harkless. I think he's almost a mixer of both of them. Surprisingly, <laughs> is that a good thing? Maybe <laughs> that maybe is the question. if both of them are combined to one player, maybe, and then they also come every game. With that length and skill set, yeah, real good. But, you know, there's a okay, lot here of we go. there. 
here's a here's a, a good response for you guys. Let me ask you guys about this one. My frustration is in part uh, due to this happening seemingly every year. If this team if this team is truly on the cusp to make the next step. How do I square with the same growing pains every year? New roster, sure, but CJ should not have con- continuity issues, especially at shooting guard. I'm not saying blow it up, but the money we spent this offseason gives a real timetable that makes slow starts costlier every season. I, I'm going to put this in perspective. I think that Blazers fans, they're not pampered. Like, Golden State Warriors fans are pampered. Lakers fans are pampered. They win a lot. It happens. <laughs> Blazers haven't won since 1977. At the same time, you can buy a ticket to any game, home game, and enjoy the game. You don't go out there and there's three every 82 where you're just like, second quarter, I'm turning this off. That happens to every team. So, like, you can yeah. go buy a ticket and have a good time. The Blazers win 45-plus games a year. They make the playoffs. It's exciting. Last year, didn't win it all. Super exciting season. Then you could be a Kings fan and have not made the playoffs in eight, nine years and you don't have these expectations. It's like it's a good thing to have expectations and for them to fall short occasionally. And and they've surpassed our expectations. So, like Kings fans, I'm just gonna jump on Kings. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Shout out to Kings like, fans. You know, yeah, you know, maybe this year they had expectations and then now they're falling short. But like the last few years, no expectations, and that's just not an enjoyable way to watch basketball. Where every game you're like, well, they're probably gonna lose, so it's fine. But the Blazers like. You expect them to win. You expect them to have good season. And so when they do it, it, it makes it more exciting. I want to point out real quick, too, that that uh, response was from Mount Bazemore at Bosnian Bear Hugs. I love both the username and the the handle there. Those are awesome. Uh, but, yeah, I'm with you on that, man. It's, I and, and to your point, too, as far as the other teams, I think you could look at, while we are saying that the Blazers have had injury issues, what team in the West is not having some injury issue outside of Phoenix and Dallas and maybe Memphis, like every other team in the West that thought themselves uh, that saw themselves as contenders in the offseason or thought that this was really their chance to kind of come up now that Golden State had lost KD. Every single team, I feel like, has had some sort of uh, major injury issue or some major fit issue. Like Utah has had trouble. Golden State obviously has no roster left. All, all these guys like it's not just a Portland problem. Uh, okay, so one more response here, and this one actually kind of segues into the uh, the next social media point I want to get to. Uh, pissed off Blazers fan is the the tag at Aftermath XL. Like he it. says, they say I don't care. Shooting under forty percent so far is still a problem. I'm not overreacting. I think they're talking about CJ. He's shooting under forty percent overall. Yeah. Shooting under under forty percent is still a problem. I'm not overreacting. Something is wrong with this team. All CJ wants to do is ISO and jack up shots. What's your excuse for that? You can just see the ball moves better when Dame and Ant are out there. First of all, I'm not making excuses for CJ. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I agree. The issue is that CJ just, he wants to go ISO. He jacks up shots way early in the shot clock. My argument would be that some of those early shot, uh, some of those early shots are good shots. Sometimes it is making sense, but I do think the major issue has been the ISO ball, not just from CJ, but from a lot of our players and, Part of this, again, like we said earlier, is related to fit, related to new guys on the team not having kind of the chemistry together. When they get the ball in their hands, they're not sure what the natural instinct is of other players, so their uh, first reaction is going to be to take the shot themselves, right? It's not that foreign. Uh, so I just wrote an article, actually, about a double self-plug here. Um, nice. <laughs> I, I, Shout I out to Nate. The, yeah, so the Wizards <laughs> are shooting early in the shot clock. I saw it in preseason. I was like, wow, they're really uh, rushing these shots up. So I, I honestly first thought that it wasn't a good thing like these early shots were forced and they're still contested even with the defense not sort of entirely set up and then upon second look and looking at the numbers 
uh, and I wrote about it, that they're actually shooting their best two effective field goal percentages in the uh, 15 to 22 or 15 to 18 and 18 to 22 bracket of the shot clock with that many seconds remaining. And oh, so okay. in part, that's from like transition buckets and like there's a lot of more uncontested shots. So, so you're saying that we're shooting, shots, we're shooting better than average, better than we usually do in the early part of the clock. Yes, okay. and transition factors into that, but um, it's not a bad thing that like CJ gets the ball off a rebound, goes down and takes a mid-range pull-up before the defense is set and he doesn't have a hand right in his face because with the way the Blazers' offense is going right now, he's going to take that shot with the hand in his face with seven <laughs> seconds left at the shot clock, so you might as well get there a little earlier before the defense has a chance to uh, have one guy try and have the other four people just collapse because there's no kicking out, there's no movement, etc. Well, shout I, out real quick. Hey, um, yeah, go for I it. I saw, I think it's Tori. Uh, he's been all over Terry Stotts. Uh, Who, Tori Jones? Yeah, he's our, been all over Terry Stotts. On a campaign. Yeah, he's been all over Terry Stotts. He's And he's been all against the offense. And I saw he quoted Nate's tweet about something, and he said, finally someone with a platform. So, Nate, <laughs> nice, Nate, what do you think about this Terry Stotts offense at the moment? I, I want to get your opinion on it. Oh, no. Um, Shout out to I Tori. Thought I, was, I thought I was going to escape nope. this podcast without having to. I see everything. <laughs> I just wanted to know about the offense. Not even him as a coach. I just want to know about the offense right now. Because right now, I mean, me, I'm, I mean, like, I'm kind of someone who really watches that stuff. But, I, I mean, I don't really break it down. But I have been noticing there is a ton of stuff just happening at the perimeter and everyone's just kind of standing around watching there's no off cutting and then like i watched the warriors and they still are running their offense with geely guys they're all moving there's constantly stuff happening i watch other teams and the blazers are not doing it and i'm all for uh, terry Stotts. i love terry Stotts. i'm a i would be on this terry Stotts fan yeah. club i'm on the island terry Stotts. i love <laughs> terry Stotts. keep him extended but his offense no, isn't I working right now I, 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 I'm a Stotts fan as well, but I think what you're getting at, Ty, uh, and to kind of set this up for you, Nate, I, I think the point here is that he's he's not a bad coach, in my opinion, but sometimes he can be too passive of a coach. He's too much of a player's he's just, coach. He's stubborn in his ways. Coach. Is that how you would put it, Nate? Like a player's coach, or, or how do you see this? Yeah, I don't know how the organization works behind closed doors, so I'm not going to say be like anti-Terry Stotts or blame the players. Um, it's, I'm just going to analyze the offense as it is and leave it at that before I get pegged as uh, not liking Stotts. Look at this. He's a fan favorite. Smart politics here. I'm, I'm being political. <laughs> but that being said, the offense has never looked great. I mean, it's very reliant on Damon CJ. Everybody knows that. Go look at the assist numbers from the last few years. The Blazers consistently rank at the bottom. Yeah. This year, it's really bad, and I don't know if that's a lack, and that's why I don't really like just spitballing these things, but I, I put on my uh, tin hat the other day, and I was <laughs> saying, like, do they not, do Damon CJ not trust their teammates as much as they have in the past because they haven't really Def. experienced this roster turnover as the leaders of the team? And so they're therefore when they drive into the lane or when they're just running the offense, they don't feel obligated to pass. And that's hard to say considering the guys they were passing to last year couldn't hit a three to save their <laughs> life for the most part. So like these guys can knock down shots and you need to be making those passes, but they just aren't. So I don't know what's going on and it's not really our place to be guessing why, even though I just did. Um, but I think... The, that's exactly the what we're here for. That, yeah, yeah, might as well. 
Um, I think the big things that have really stuck out to me are the Dame's off-ball movement, and this isn't blaming him, it's everybody, but he, if he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he's standing six feet beyond the arc, and yeah, it takes a guy away from the play, but at the same time, he's not in a position that, like, the ball can get to him. So, like, if he was running off the ball, we've all seen Steph Curry's shooting gravity and how everybody just gravitates toward him. Dame has that same power. Like, they're picking him up 35 feet from the hoop because he can hit those shots like Steph can. And so he needs to utilize that more and be a decoy or even just get open and hit those shots. It doesn't all need to come from him off the dribble. And so it'll be, like, 15 seconds into the shot clock. Like, it'll be single digits. And they'll just... It'll, it'll still be at the top of the arc, like five feet beyond in a shot that like, yeah, Dame can hit, but that's not a reliable shot. Right. Nor do I want him taking that every single time down the court. Like, yeah, exactly. it's good when he's made three in a row that you can jack one up and hit it because it gets everybody going crazy and it's a huge heat check. But like so many possessions, there's just like three guys running circles around each other and then nothing comes from it. And if something came from it, it would be worth it. And then the other thing that I noticed, and I have to watch this more closely um, compared to other teams, but the two guys on the weak side, the two wings, stand so close to each other that they're like, neither are above the break. They're both in the corner. And so you can have one guy guard them well enough. Like, you're not going right. to contest the shot, but it just um, it's not encourages an open the shot. Blazers not to make that pass. Yeah. yeah. And that's what and the Clippers did. They did that with Pat Beverly. He was over there in the corner. He guarded both dudes. Right. Yeah. Just be able to, like, stunt like, towards have one. Have one yeah. above the break and have one in the wing, and then they can't be defended. And you have good shooters now, so it's not like... We got shooters. Hiding them over there. Yeah. Whiteside (laughs) said it the best. Um, So, like, everybody collapses on Damon CJ. All 10 eyes. Yeah, that's good math. 10 eyes are looking (laughs) at Damon CJ when they have the ball. And that's such a powerful thing that isn't used ever. Yeah. No, it's it's 100% accurate. Okay, again, let me segue this right into the other the other piece I wanted to bring up here. Besides that tweet that got so much uh, uh, undeserved attention, I put up a listener poll uh, for the Trailcasters account the other day. Instead of blanket blaming CJ and Whiteside for the loss in LA and for all the troubles we're talking about, what else do you think are the biggest problems the team needs to address? So the options I gave, perimeter defense, shot selection, getting to the line, and ball movement. Those are the four choices because Twitter only gives you four. Obviously, there are much more nuanced things we could say about this here, and we can go through some of the responses in a second. But Nate uh, and and Ty, both of you guys, where are you at? Of those four options, what do you think is the biggest issue the Blazers are facing right now? Perimeter defense, shot selection, getting to the free throw line, or ball movement? Where are you at, Nate? I'm going to stand strong on D because of what I was just talking is about. That I think other issues get solved. And the defense, so offense, I think, is a solvable issue, something that can be worked through. They have yeah. the pieces to really have a good offense, honestly. Like, they shouldn't be two assists behind the 29th most assisting team in the league. That shouldn't <laughs> be happening. That hurts. Uh, the, the perimeter defense, especially if Hood's out, that's just not going to come around. It's just, like, survive enough. And the way to survive a bad defense is to have a better offense, and they're not going to do that with three passes a possession max I, <laughs> I was watching with my friends who don't watch basketball as passionately and I was like <laughs> guess how many passes they're gonna make like I'll give you an over under of three and a half and most possessions it was safe to bet the under which is that not sucks. a good thing yeah that, that's yeah. that's a sign right there Ty what do you think do you agree that perimeter defense is the biggest of those four problems yep. or yep I'm with that and same thing I think they're gonna struggle all year they they aren't figuring it out on defense. There's a lot of miscommunication, and also they just don't have the they don't have the bodies. I mean, we saw them bringing this here a little last night for some bodies, but I mean, like when you go against Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, or eventually, or even James Harden, I mean, they're just gonna get worn I mean, down. 
I'm I I will say first of all the listeners agree we had 125 votes here and 50% went perimeter defense being the problem. The second biggest vote was 29% saying ball movement is the issue and I feel like that is also a problem. Like we said about the ISO, we we're not getting enough passes in here, we're not getting enough uh, enough players involved and it's, and largely that could be about Damon CJ not really trusting their teammates as much. But yeah, as, as far as that perimeter defense, I'm a little more optimistic that we can fix it over the season. We do have more wings now. We have more of these guys that should theoretically be interchangeable on, on paper. And that, I think, will just be about them learning each other's tendencies and learning kind of the chemistry and the real fit there to really make that work. All right, well, uh, Nate, that is really, I think, all we've got here. Let me see if there's any other good responses. We got a couple of responses to that poll, and let me just highlight real fast. Shout out to Brandon Goldner, uh, the former Trailcasters host here. He said, I didn't see blame CJ and Hassan as an option. Well, yeah, Brandon, that's because that was the whole point is avoiding that as an option, but thank you for pointing that out. Uh, Holy Backboard, one of our fellow pods on the Uprise Network uh, with Tori Jones over there. Shout out to him as well. Hey! Holy Backboard said, shot selection, not getting enough notice here. We literally go stretches each quarter with empty possessions due to quick contested jump kind of like what we talked about but I don't think they're really arguing either that perimeter defense is the biggest issue uh, look at this Nurk it says I caught this I was caught between perimeter defense and ball movement glad to see everyone else seems to agree with that uh, and Eric Griffith actually here's a good one to end on Eric Griffith friend of the show says can I say other and choose not enough talent okay where are you guys at on that is that wow. that's a little harsh right come on do are we saying the Blazers don't have enough talent is that really the problem here um, <laughs> that's that's a hard <laughs> thing to evaluate. Spot, I'm, I'm, gonna get, um, I'm gonna call Eric out on that one, man. I don't think talent is the issue. I think Whiteside is a talented player. I think Baysmore and Rodney Hood are talented. I think overall, if you looked at numbers and what these guys can bring to the floor, I think we have more talent on the roster than we did last year. But the problem is, a lot of that talent is now injured, and the talent that's not injured does not know how to fit with the rest of the talent around it. Is that that's, fair? I, I, I agree. So I obviously all these guys have talent. Like they're in the NBA for a reason. Like there, there's like maybe two players in the NBA that I would be like, you guys shouldn't be here. But um, <laughs> I, I think I'm so it's curious a talented who those two team. Are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna say who. Just guy. I don't actually know. That was just a pull out of the hat. But um, I would say that it's a talented team. Um, there's no metric to evaluate talent compared to last year. But I agree. I think there is. Uh, they're more dynamic this year by far. Like there are more guys who can do more things. Uh, I feel like a lot of the players last year had their skill and that's what made the Blazers good because they capitalized on those skills. And there's these, it's not that you can't capitalize on guys who are dynamic, but a lot of these guys, the new players are not being put in a position that's best for them. And that sounds weird to say because the Blazers have honestly become notorious now for taking the people who have, a lot of talent in actually extracting it from them. And I don't think that's happening this year to the level we've seen it in the past. Hmm. Now that is a good premise right there. Cause that has been kind of a Portland staple is being able to get the best, like squeeze the most juice out of these lemons. And if that's not going to happen this year, that could be a problem. Uh, Ty, anything to add on that one before we let Nate go? No, not really. I think he said it all. I'm with them. Yeah, all right, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like Nate, you've done a, a wonderful job of kind of wrapping up some of this stuff, uh, making it make uh, making it make a bit more sense as long as I can actually get those words out there. But if uh, if listeners want to reach out to you on the social medias, what is the best way to do so? Um, I'm on Twitter. Obviously, I'm all over Twitter uh, at Nate underscore man 13. Feel free to uh, send me a message or follow or whatever you need to. And then my work's on BlazersEdge.com. Um, I have weekly features Thursday mornings now, so nice. wake up Thursday and read some numbers. Can you, you, got, you can you give us a, a preview or any sort of tease on your next feature coming up? 
<laughs> yeah, the uh, off-ball movement. There we go. <laughs> I, there I we think go. <laughs> Tori has pushed my hand. Tori's playing. I love it. I, I think I'll be writing about that now, and it's it's a big problem. So might as well get on that. That, that or, uh, talking about little. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm hey, we didn't even it. touch on that. Nasir Little getting some minutes here. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't like to like get super excited with players, even though it's pretty fun too. Uh, I leave that for Isaiah. Isaiah's like Isaiah takes Santos. my optimism and voices it. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you ever need a, a pick-me-up, go follow Isaiah on Twitter. But Dude, shout-out to Isaiah, actually. We should get him on. I have not had him on the show either, man. We got to get him in here. You think he'd come on? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Sweet. Um, so, shoot, what was, that? what was I even saying? Um, oh, sorry. Oh, I, yeah, I, I don't get excited <laughs> with players super often because, like, they'll come in and have a good game, and everybody's like, oh, my God, they're the next coming. And then they'll just throw up, like, three duds. But I'm honestly excited for Little because his impact isn't reliant on, like, making shots or doing things that can be inconsistent. He provides the intangibles. And I think the Blazers need that right now. They need someone to get that steal in the backcourt after a rebound when nobody's paying attention, like that sort of thing. And I think he's the guy who's going to do it. And he wants to earn minutes, so he's not going to stop doing it either. Awesome, man. No, that's that's excellent to sneak that in there right at the end because I totally forgot to talk about Nas, and I was excited to see him on the court last night. Um, yeah, hopefully we see a little more of him in the future. But Nate Mann of Blaze's Edge, at Nate underscore Mann 13 on Twitter. Thank you so much for joining us, man. Really appreciate it. Hopefully we can see you more around here too, get you back on the show soon. Yeah, and thanks for having me on. This was great. Awesome, man. Welcome back. All right, so just looking over a few more of these responses, uh, listener responses to the Twitter poll that we put out there as far as the perimeter defense being the biggest problem, ball movement being the second biggest problem. People don't seem as worried about shot selection or getting to the line. Uh, Holy Backboard to say shot selection is one of the ones that's not getting enough love. Rashid Walton at OG Jailblazer writes in, the second unit still looks lost to me. I think they should make Mario the primary ball handler with Ant and Baze looking to get open shots. They should be utilizing the second unit skill set better. As it is, it looks like a free-for-all. I kind of agree with that. I kind of feel like that's a lot of what we are saying, too, as far as it looks too much like a free-for-all. Everyone's just kind of going for their own, getting their points. Uh, what do you think as far as Mario Hazonia is the primary ball handler and Ant and Baze playing off ball? Um, I like Baze playing off the ball. Uh, he's... I think he'll figure it out. Um, I don't mind Hazonia as the main ball handler. Uh, I think he can do it. Um, it would, he needs to maybe slow down a little bit, uh, make a little bit better decisions. Uh, not like he's getting it, but he's more of attack mode, like go scores points instead of, okay, maybe I can draw the defense in and then I'll kick it out to an open three to Simons who's off the ball. Um, but I do want to see Simons have the ball in his hands, though. Uh, I would not like Hazonia to take away from that too much. I think Simons yeah. has shown he can do it, and the dude is I a stud. I think it's like we've seen from Dame, too. Like Dame is the primary ball handler. That doesn't mean he can't play off ball. I think Simons is much more of a primary ball, primary ball handler excuse me, than uh, Mario is, but Mario is maybe more of that kind of transition. He can run an offense in transition. Yeah. I'm just not yeah. sure if I want to see Mario running the whole second unit himself. No, um, I don't want him running, like, the half-court offense. Right. We did have someone else say, start Simons. Uh, Reed Newcomer, at Reed PNW. Yeah. We haven't heard from them in a while. Shout-out to Reed. Hey. Uh, used to write in quite a bit. Start Simons and bring Hood in the second unit with Bayes, Mario, and Skull. Uh, I mean, no. that's a pretty small... If you, So you're talking starting Dame and CJ and then Simons and then having, like, I guess what... Uh, 
Well, he, he's saying Scott with the second unit too. So he's talking about still having Whiteside start. So who's at power forward in that spot? Hazel, Either yeah, Nas or, or, or Tolliver. Nas or Tolliver. Or, yeah, that's not good. That's yeah. that's, that's that's if the season is completely downhill. Then Stotts wants to see if this maybe he can start a new phenomenon at three guards. Or or it could be good in small doses. Like we've seen that the three guard yeah, small lineup yeah. work before, but I don't know about starting that. I feel like that no, you need more defense. You can't start that. Uh, Coleman Hinton at ICY says, I think the team needs a little more time to gel. I think people are overreacting early. Yes, sir, Coleman. That's exactly what we're saying, man. It's a lot of... I'm uh, overreacting very early, but... <laughs> I mean, it's I'll okay admit to it. overreact, too. Hey, look, if we didn't overreact, what would we have to talk about? That's how you yeah. That's how you have conversations, is having like a hot take, right? And I'm definitely worried, kind of, though. I mean, I'm, I am overreacting, but I am having more uh, moments with this team than I thought I was going to have... Obviously, like I said before, I don't think Zach Collins is going to play this year, which sucks for the Blazers. Yeah. They yeah, need him for, I think he, I honestly, so kind of a hot take or whatever, I honestly think losing him sucks more than if the Blazers were losing CJ McCollum for four months. Interesting. Because I think the Blazers could use Hood more, Baysmore, Simons to fill to cover CJ's, CJ's role, role. As, a, huh. as more of a group committee to fill that. I don't think one of them can... I mean, I mean, maybe Simons in a couple of years can take over that CJ role, but I think they're maybe more prepared to lose someone like CJ uh, than Collins or Whiteside. Like, I think Collins is such a big blow. Um, mm-hmm. And then I don't well, know they, when they, Nurkic they is coming out, back. Yeah, the the Blazers cleared out the front court for Zach to have minutes exactly. to have a big role. Exactly, here. and so like, it's, just, it's it really is just it's snake bit. It's getting it's the worst uh, injury. It's probably one of the worst injuries we could have had outside of Dame going down. It's it is it, it's the worst injury we could have had outside. I mean, obviously, I think it goes Dame, Nurkic, and then Collins. Like it yeah, worked. Yeah. Like we already have the second worst one that could happen. I think the same could have been said for last year too. Before the playoffs, is I think if you lost CJ, it would have been like, dang it. But if when you lost Nurkic, it was like, okay, if we're done in the playoffs, but we proved that wrong. But I think people would have been <laughs> maybe a little bit more optimistic if we didn't lose Nurkic. But if CJ was the one, and people would have been like, okay, that's fine. But yeah, but we still got Turner. Uh, we can, and then now we got Rodney Hood and all that. So I honestly think. Yeah, it's a big blow. So I'm I'm definitely worried. Uh, they're not gelling. Um, Dame seems frustrated. Uh, he posted on IG today like a picture of him and his son, and it says, I can't hear you. So obviously he's talking to right. the haters. Uh, it's this early into the season. He's looked frustrated on the court. I haven't seen him always express that, but he has seemed like... Well, some of the play we're seeing from him too, like him yeah. having to take over games like we've seen in multiple games already of him trying to really just... Just, I think, like we said, like uh, Nate was saying earlier, I don't think Dame or CJ, for that matter, really trust their new teammates yet. And so, in this case, when we're getting down to the wire and not ahead in the game that Dame probably feels we should be, he's trying to take over himself. We're seeing that more from him in the first nine games. I think Dame's trying to. He's trying to trust his teammates. That's why, like, at first couple games, he starts off so slow. He's trying to dish it out. He's trying to get Hood comfortable. He's trying to get Baysmore, and he's trying to get wide side looks and touches. And it's not working. And he's like, all right, I'll do it now. But I feel like right. CJ, he's not even like willing to try. He's like, nope, I'm going to score CJ's here. CJ's just doing his. Yeah, he's just yeah. taking his. Dane's but again, like, trying, but... But we've seen that from CJ in the past even. When we kind of had, I think, in previous seasons, we were having uh, stints where CJ was running the second unit. Like where he was kind of having his own second offense uh, outside of Dame at times. And it didn't work, man. Some of that, I think, even maybe a year or two when Dame was injured. We saw... A stretch of games where CJ yeah. played well and his numbers went up, but it just didn't work. He's he's 
to be honest, he's not a point guard. He's a shooting guard. There's a reason for that. But he's a two I mean, guard. Again, that like we said earlier, a lot of this comes down to the players knowing their role. So maybe that's on us. Then we're talking about wanting CJ to pass more. But if he's a shooting guard, why should we be? Expecting well, he him talked to be about what's frustrating guard? is he talked about yeah, all off season about being a playmaker, how he needs to do stuff with the ball in his hands and all that. And it's like you do because if you're not scoring, he's not impacting the game. He's not right. playing defense. He's not going and getting rebounds. He's not fighting on he's like like taking charges like dame at least like if he realizes his shot's not going he's gonna try and find the dude who has it going (laughs) or and then if all else fails he goes all right if no one else can do it then i'll try and shoot my way out of it and then i'll take the blame being two for 19 tonight because i can handle it but like he at least knows like all right it's not my night like i'm gonna try and be rebounding tonight or i'm gonna try and really be like a facilitator but cj's like nope i'm gonna shoot my way out of this yeah it's Man, okay, here, so here, some more responses tying into kind of what we're saying. JJ Switzer at Jonathan Switzer, can I choose other and say front court depth and not having anyone who knows what to do in the pick and roll in the front court? Yeah, that kind of makes sense. And again, like we were saying earlier, part of that I think is just where the injuries have hit and kind of tying into this too, uh, Patrick Gallagher at P Gallagher. I don't know what the full name is here. Let me see. Uh, at P Gallagher 503 says Kent and Hood, Kent Bazemore and Rodney Hood are our best defender. Big yikes. I'm uh, not okay. So I think again, this ties into the front court depth issue, though, is that our best defenders, our best defender, Nurkic, has been injured since before the season started. Then our other best defenders, even if you want to count Whiteside, the stat king, stat counter that he is, he's still playing good defense in a sense. He's been dealing with injury, or at the very least, he's been dealing with not fitting well with the team yet. Now you have injuries like Zach Collins, like Rodney Hood, and the rest of it. And I, I, I don't know if I'm ready to say that. Kent and Hood are necessarily our best defenders when the roster is healthy, but the fact that they are maybe our best uh, defenders right now, especially well, now that the guys that who can defend in the backcourt. I mean, Simons, I think it will start stepping up. He talks about defense a lot, like early on in the draft process and stuff. He likes defense. I think he'll be good once he starts adding more strength. But right now, like if we played James Harden, we played Steph Curry. Obviously, he's done for the year. But like yeah. with obviously like with like we have. Uh, any guy who's going to be the vocal point of the offense, that's going to be Hood and Bazemore on them right now. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the guy that we put on the star. Yeah. Obviously, I think this is when you miss Aminu and Harkless because even though those guys didn't always show up every game and they weren't consistent, you at least could talk yourself into, all right, well, Aminu's 6'9 with a long wingspan and is quick and can play defense. At least I can throw him on Harden and feel okay what? about it. Would you agree that either Hood or Bazemore are going to be our best option to re- to be that kind of defender, like our, our replacement yeah, for the? Yeah, I think it's Bazemore. It's Bazemore. I think I think it's Bazemore who takes that over. I think Hood will focus more on scoring. I think Bays will be the three and D. What about his own really emphasis on D? We kind of see it from Mario a little bit on Kawhi the other night. Yeah, um, we've seen it in the past, uh, and he's shown it he, before. He's physical, you know. He can yeah. get up with those. And he's six eight. He's he's quick. Um, I think if he can, I think he's in his head too much. Uh, uh, he was a high lottery pick, so he, um, he, I think he's always had like a lot of high expectations, and I think he has high expectations for himself. So I think when he makes one small mistake, he almost shuts down a little bit because he's trying to live up to that hype. So mm-hmm. once he gets out of that, and he can just accept his role which i've seen in moments in play but like uh i think it was last night against the nets or whatever he got like a fast break uh either he missed the layup and then got the rebound and then went up again and then hit it on the 
underneath the backboard. Like he hit it underneath right, right. or on the back of the backboard. And then it was like, that was a wide open layup, just stuff like that. Um, so once he gets out of his head in that way, I think he can be a pretty good, decent defender. Uh, he just has never really shown it consistently, but in spurts. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, maybe this will be the year we, again, we've talked about Portland being a place where players come to, to get more consistent with that, to kind of like show out a little bit. So we can hope <laughs> it could certainly help us at least right now with where we're going. Some other responses to the poll, Portland native and John Woods both mentioned, uh, they said ball movement because it's closest to player movement. Yeah, that's fair enough. And I think it does come back to the same idea of just trying to get away from this ISO ball, right? Trying to get a little more of the teammates involved, but that's going to take chemistry and fit and all the rest. I'm not sure if they're, if they're there yet. Uh, Final response. I'm going to go over, then we're going to move on here. At our sad Belgian blazer, at <laughs> Belgian bla- underscore blazer. I hate to beat a dead horse, and this is why I'm reading this because not actually beating a dead horse. We haven't talked about this too much yet. I hate to beat a dead horse, but how, t- how the <laughs> f- is James Harden shooting 15.8 free throws a game, f- attempts a game, and Dame is only getting 6.3? Like what the? F- <laughs> James so I, Harden, I, yeah, knows how to get to the free throw line. He works the referees. Um, also, thing about James Harden, people don't realize he is physical. He gets to the lane, he runs into big guys and gets his shots up. Like he's gonna either make you foul him, which he does get fouled a lot of the time, but also he does flop. But he does get hit because he drives the lane and he will make the ref blow that whistle. He's like, "Yo, I'm a superstar. I'm driving in here." And what's frustrating about Dame and CJ is they should get better calls and they should get more calls. But yes. they seem to get frustrated and start complaining after one or two missed calls, which is acceptable, which is fine. But they don't, like, make the refs blow the whistle. Like, CJ drives the lane. He stops short of physical people and does his floater. Well, he's right. avoiding contact now. So then, obviously, like, if he gets hit or anything, like, he's he's jumping away. Like, he's not jumping into them and then, like, forcing a layup up. He's trying to stop short and then not get yeah. hit by anybody. And then so guys like James Harden and guys like LeBron and guys like Kawhi Leonard, they impose their will. They go into the lane and they're just physical. And we don't have anybody who's willing to really go in. I mean, I think Dame is and he should get yeah. more calls. But even him, like he tries too much. Like he throws his head back sometimes or or then like he tries to do those three pointers where he where he tries no, jumping into the dude and stuff see, like that. This is, this is interesting. I think those three pointers actually he's one of the better dudes at that at getting those he is, calls. Yeah. Especially with but he's trying like like he's clearly baiting the ref there and he's well, not even, just even, playing even I on think the other guys the lane, just though, play I, I i'm kind of with the listener though i'm with with belgian blazer on this as far as like i think dame deserves a lot more free throw attempts the way that he's no, he, diving he definitely lane. does he, he, i think he definitely does I'm, I'm just i'm just not sure exactly what it is that is different between because i feel like harden you're saying that dame is is what like trying to bait the ref too much i feel like harden baits the ref every time i almost feel like the issue here is I think you said it earlier. I feel like the issue is that Dame and CJ aren't complaining enough. They're not drawing enough attention about, hey, I got fouled and you're not giving me whistles. Because you'll get James Harden complains constantly. Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook complain constantly. Doc Rivers complains constantly to the refs. Those are the dudes who get the calls. They're drawing attention yeah. to it. The squeaky wheel gets the grease kind of idea, you know? And I think maybe that's the issue is that I think Dame needs to be... I mean, I, like for some I, reason, I, like I think, that has not worked for them, too, like the complaint. I don't yeah. know why. And stocks, yeah, I, too. Like, it's never like all of a sudden got more favorable whistle when they start doing it for some reason. And that that's just again this comes back to my problem with the fishing man. The the idea that 
it just it just seems so different. And then for us to not even be able to, I don't know, there's there's something weird about that. And I, I obviously there's no easy answer. But Belgian yeah. Blazer, I think you are absolutely onto something. Uh, as have been the the rest of the responses, man. That was pretty sweet. We got a lot of responses for that one. We will come back to the the listener, the to the to the weekly winner, I guess is the way to put it. But Ty, let's uh, let's move on. Let's get to win loss or tie. Finally, let's talk some betting lines or, or at least some <laughs> predictions for next week. What do you think? Oh uh, yeah, we got a couple. We got three games till our next show. Where we do yes, the, and, and they have a game on Saturday. But well, you'll probably get that next show. Uh, so they play the Hawks tomorrow, the tenth of November. Um, I don't. There might be a line opened up for that. Let me actually look as I rant. Maybe. Uh, no <laughs> well, here I, you go ahead and look that up. I'll talk about the other ones coming up. We've got the Hawks go. tomorrow, um, and then we are at the Kings on. Tuesday or Wednesday? That's Tuesday, isn't it? That's Tuesday. Uh, and, That's my birthday. And, and yeah, I was going to say, there's something special about that day I just learned. Happy birthday, Ty! It's a little early, but I won't be here on Tuesday to say it. I'm probably going to say it again next week, though. That's awesome, bro. Congratulations. I'll be in my Alan Crab year, my 23. <laughs> All right, so the Blazers... Uh, we'll skip past me. Uh, the Blazers, um, they are nine-point favorites against the Hawks tomorrow night, which is very... High, honestly, um, I'm actually shocked that the betters put the line this high. Uh, the Blazers don't usually get respect to the betting lines anyway, and after four straight losses, right? Um, Wait, so what's I know the that, uh, so they're at minus nine, so they're nine point favorites. The Blazers, Blazers so are nine point favorites. That is shocking. And the Hawks, right I I bet on the Hawks a lot. Um, they they made me a good amount of money last year. Um, I bet on cut a few times this year too. Uh, they're using my go-to uh, like against the spread and everything. Uh, I would honestly probably bet on the Hawks on this plus nine. I think that line's way too high. The Blazers show they struggle with high-scoring offenses. I know the Hawks don't have John Collins, which is a big blow to them, but they got Trey Young. Uh, quick, quick, quick side note on that, by the way. I just got to jump backwards here. When the Zach Collins shoulder injury was all coming out, right after that is when we heard John Collins was suspended 25 games for PEDs. All that popped up on my phone was Collins suspended 25 games. I'm like, whoa, what the hell did Zach do? Like, what the fuck did he do this time? <laughs> He's taking uh, drugs for the shoulder already? He's really not busted for yeah, that? Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, but yeah, on that line, man, th- this is the segment where we can be honest, right? We've covered all the other fan stuff. We've yeah. been optimistic and talked and about And there's also that. maybe no hood and no scout. Yeah, and and I God, I think I agree with you. I think Portland favored by nine points. That's a, that's a, that's a generous line, man. I think the Blazers I, should win. I would hope they win this home game oh, against a low win. Hawks team. I think Damon CJ can outscore Trey Young and Kevin Herter and all those young. They have a lot of young guys, but against the Warriors, we saw that young scrappy guys who almost won it more than the Blazers. Guys right. who were willing to come in and fight and win yeah. Game Eight of the regular season. And then what's almost we can almost tie in with this whole Blazers team is they almost seem which they are 60 players but they almost seem like they are going to cakewalk because they went to the Western Conference Finals last year and now these regular season games don't matter well you still have to win to get to the playoffs yeah. and that's kind of like what happened like the Warriors and stuff who kept going to the finals what's well, a little bit right. different when you keep winning the finals but same thing they seem bored during the regular season. The Blazers almost seem bored with this regular season, but you can't do that right now. Yeah, but, you can't afford to do that. So okay, I so think... I, where yeah. do you think the game actually ends out? Like, where do you think that, that game... If we're saying I think the, the Blazers the, win by five or six. Okay, so so if you were going to set a line, you say Portland minus five is more realistic. I'd put it four and a half. I put minus four, four and a half. half. Okay. Yeah. And I Gosh. think that's probably what it would be... Uh, let's say the Hawks had John Collins and they had their young team, and let's say we had... 
Zach Collins and everything, it, it would probably be a four, five point six. I mean, obviously the Blazers home court, this Hawks team's not going to be in the playoffs, but they're scrappy. They put up points. So I think nine points, pretty generous line for the Blazers yeah. at the moment. All right. Well, what about the Kings? Did you have a line for them yet? Or nope, no, no, that's a little far out. But um, against the Kings, is it would definitely be telling if Hood and Scout play. I bet you one of those two guys play in that game. I would say Blazers, Kings. They're what are they? They're three and six. Blazers are three and six. Um, I'm gonna say Blazers plus two and a half. I think the Kings will be favored by two and a half points at home. Uh. Yeah, the Blazers. It also really depends on that Hawks game. But like, that's what would be interesting if they go out and lose that right. game. Then they will definitely be Kings. I, I can tell you that. Like, if that Hawks game is a nail biter or back and forth, it goes to overtime or they lose, then the Kings then are the, the Kings are going to be favored pretty high. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so I'd put plus two and a half. Yeah, that's rough. I, I don't know if I could agree with you or disagree with you too much on that. Uh, I, the Kings and the Blazers have the same record right now. If Blazers can win in Atlanta, maybe that gives us a little bit of an edge. I think the reputation of the franchises overall has got to tip it a little towards Portland. But yeah, then being in Sacramento and yeah, if it doesn't go well against Atlanta, that's not going to uh, that's not going to play in our favor. What about the next game, uh, Portland against Toronto? That's so one more home game at least. Maybe another yeah. chance to kind of even the scales here. So Hawks and Raptors are home. Yeah. Um, See Blazers at home against a I think Kyle Lowry. I don't saw something today. He had like hand surgery or on his thumb, oh, really? a fracture on his thumb or something. So that I don't I know he had thumb problems last year, but he played all year with it. So um, I'll have to look into that more. Um I think I'll put Blazers plus one. I might even think the Blazers might not even, I think they might even be dogs at home. Might be dogs against Toronto. Oh, that hurts. Toronto's oh, six God. and two. Toronto's got long, scrappy guys. They they play physical. Um, they're well coached. They have basically the exact same team besides Kawhi Leonard, obviously, which is a huge blow to them. But they have the mm. same role players and guys who were big reasons they won that championship, like guys like Fred Van Bleet, uh, Siakam, Siakam. Who the who's gonna guard Pascal Siakam on Dude, the Blazers? Yeah, Siakam's a beast, man. I don't like. There's nobody who's gonna check him. No. And this is where we're gonna miss Zach Collins too. Checking Pascal down low, switching on to him. We're just who I think the Blazers plus one. I think the Raptors are favored coming into Portland. And the Blazers are playing it back to back. They're so they're flying back from Sacramento and then they're playing right. the Raptors. And the Raptors are not on the back to back. They play like on the eleventh. So they are gonna be a day where they come into Portland, get to chill out. Blazers are gonna be flying. Same Again. thing that just happened with the Nets and Clippers. <laughs> it's the exact same thing that just happened with the Nets and Clippers. Right. So, yeah, um, I think the Blazers, it would be nice if they could beat the Hawks-Kings and be good with the Raptors. But at this point, I mean, 1-3 and three and 0-3 oh doesn't even seem that bad. I mean, doesn't bad. I mean, that seems bad, but... It seems you likely. mean as far as the weekly record? With, um, yeah. Oh, and actually here, you know what? Let's add one more game to this. Let's add that one on Saturday because I looked ahead from my schedule. I'm actually working the pregame next Saturday, so we will not be able to podcast Saturday. We'll be podcasting next Sunday. Sweet. Switch that up again. Uh, so what is that next? Uh, what's that game next Saturday? Who comes Spurs. after Spurs. We, we go to the Spurs again. We're at the Spurs, okay. On the 16th, so three days. Um, I think Spurs probably minus three and a half. You, you Spurs are favored? I think uh, they will half? be. I think they will be. 
All right, so just when I'm putting this in here on the game, I'm putting each of them as far as like how it relates to the Blazers. But yeah, so plus three and a half for Blazers. Spurs are favored. Yeah, man, I don't know if I can argue with that one too much either. The, the Spurs are not a super strong team, but uh, we saw how it went last time. It came down to the very buzzer, and that was with Dame trying to light fire. Uh, and this one is going to be, you know, I don't think our roster is looking better now than it was last time we were down there. So, no. gosh, two, two early season road games against another, I guess they're not divisional, but at least conference yeah. opponent. Just this, so you can this, spread these out These more. road are, this is ridiculous. Yeah, like we come home, we're on the road. Yeah, we go to Spurs, then we go to... Yeah, so that road trip, when we start against the Spurs, we go Spurs, Rockets, Pelicans, Bucks, Cavs. And then we And then we come home for the Bulls. No. Spurs, Rockets, Pelicans, Bucks, Cavs, Bulls. And then we come home for the Thunder and Bulls again. So, I mean, another long road trip. Yeah. Yeah, well, that is the, that's how this, we knew the season was going to go this way. We knew we were going to have like 13 of what, 13 of the first 18 or 13 of the first 20 are on the road. Yeah. Uh, and it is surprising the road has gone so well for us, or not well for us, but it's been a fair split so far and the home games have been the real issue. But, you know, there's still plenty of time to work that out. I am not losing hope. We still have plenty of season left. I'm going to ride that Blazers optimism train as far as possible. Uh, but as far as the bets, though, I think that's all we've got. We've got those four games. Not going to worry about best bets for today since Blazers don't play like you said uh, anything else you want to throw in here or should we get to our weekly winner um I'll just put some odds real quick or not odds but I'll just say uh, I would bet that at some point in the next stretch if this does not look well or we get a couple more injuries or bad news about Scal I think Nasir Little will start I nice. honestly wouldn't be shocked if he started against the Hawks um, they might give Hazonia another game or two just so they don't completely mess with him and crush his heart by putting him in the starting lineup and taking him out after a loss. Like, and then look like they're blaming it on him. But I wouldn't be shocked if Stotts starts this year a little. He looked good out there. Uh, he threw a pretty big man dunk down. Yeah, uh, I did. Yeah, I did. So yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if they just give some new life, some new energy, and start him at some point in the next. I would, I would not have said that a couple weeks ago. I right. wouldn't have said it maybe even last podcast that he would be starting, but I think we'll see. Oh, I, I definitely wouldn't have. I, I wouldn't say it. Uh, I wouldn't have said it last podcast, but we saw him play pretty well last night. I don't know if I'm going to say that he starts, uh, but I feel like he definitely gets solid minutes. I mean, so I don't know what, what kind of odds if we were going to bet on him starting, uh, what kind like, of odds you want to give me? Like plus, I don't know, probably like plus 300, like three to one that he starts and like minus 250 that he doesn't start. Hmm. At all, stuff Man, like that. Okay. I mean, it, I think it'd be Three pretty low because huh? I just, I just don't think there's, there's not much else. Like he's got Hazonia, and let's say that we don't have Scal next game. What are you rolling with? You going with Whiteside Hazonia? Yeah, <laughs> and <then> the crickets, right? <laughs> I mean, then this year little, and then maybe yeah. now Moses Brown or Jalen Horde, which yeah, with the call ups. But I mean, again, yeah, they're probably not coming in in front of little either so, no. so there's your sign really like if they're getting called up that should show alone that he's going to be that alone should show that he's going to be getting some some run for it all right well we'll see how that goes as far as our weekly winners before we get out of here we had the two uh two fantasy league players right in as well as let's see how many responses we had on this thing i think i just kind of think it's 16 let me make sure we had uh so yeah our, our two fantasy league players were Going up and look at those names real quick. Rose City Champs and City of DeRoses. Shout out to my brother CJ, by the way. I think that's his team, City of DeRoses, uh, that I was talking about earlier. We? And then, 
We had Blazers in Five, Holy Backboard, Rashid Walton, Brandon Goldner, Look at This Nurk, Jeremy Barrett, Eric Griffith, Patrick Gallagher, Reed Newcomer, Coleman Hinton, JJ Switzer, Portland Native, John Woods, Rhythm, Sad Belgian Blazer, and Chris Tinney. Shout out to all you guys. Thank hey, you so much for all writing. Yeah. I think I think that's how we got to do our questions in the future, bro. Uh, we'll keep doing these card uh, these card prizes, but instead of just asking for the listeners to submit questions, let's get a poll out there and get these responses because this was good. We got some fuel for the fire here. So 16 listeners plus the two from our fantasy league. I'm going to put in on random.org. I'm going 1 to 18. And those fantasy guys will be 1 and 2. And then the listeners are 3 through 16. The winner is number 12, Coleman Hinton. Coleman, thank you so much for writing in. We will get a card over to you as soon as we get your address. Uh, and what card is that, Ty? What do you got there? Clyde the Glide. Clyde the Glide Drexler. Nice one, man. Loving it. All right. Oh, that, is, that looks crisp. Uh, can we talk about this van that you... Did you mention <laughs> the van on air or was that off the pod? Can we talk about your... Pod. <laughs> my uh, my dad, uh, I've been getting in the car the last couple months, uh, through some connections, found some guy who was trying to sell a bunch of cards, like, in his garage, basically, that just been... He's been collecting cards for 90... Like, for a long time. <laughs> And the guy had messaged me a couple months ago asking if I wanted them. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm good. I don't really want to do all that hunt. I'll just mostly, I'll mostly stick with modern day cards. Kind of forgotten about it. Well, my birthday is coming up on Tuesday. Happy and birthday! My, <laughs> my dad thought it would be fun to get that as a birthday present. Well, my mom didn't think it would be fun, so she already got me something else. But he, <laughs> I guess, basically had already locked himself into buying these cards from this guy. And nice. he was pretty excited to get rid of all these cards. So we have a um, van that we use for my coffee shop to go get all the <laughs> supplies for the coffee shop. Cups, sauces, big boxes, stuff. And he took that and filled this van. like, And it's a smaller <laughs> van. like, It's not like a big white van. like, It's a smaller, like something that you might see, I don't know, like a water company come in or something. I don't know. It's a little bit smaller. But it is filled like yeah, to bro, the top. I don't care. I don't care if it's an Astro van or a minivan or just a pickup truck or, or an, or an El Camino. There's probably like 150,000 cards. There's you have literally a car full of cards. <laughs> a card full of cards. And awesome. I know that 99, 98% of it is going to be junk. It's just going to be, it's going to be cards that basically we all have in our garage stored up, but he wants me to try and find that hidden, hidden gem that I can oh, yeah. pull out. So, you know I'll what? keep everybody updated how I uh, what I do, but we're gonna have to make a whole segment, man. Like I feel like we're gonna have to have a little kind of like a, a phone selfie cam. Uh, I did uh, find. I was point. barely looking in last night. I just pulled the nicest like sleeve off the top of all the boxes. And they're in sleeves. They're in. Bo- oh my god! So it's, it's some, not even just like piles. Of cards. Oh no, they're that organized. Yeah, there's wow. books. Like you know, there's binders full that people do. There's like yeah. Probably 70, 80 binders full of cards, baseball so cards, these things basketball are in good cards, shape football. Even. Some are, some aren't. Some are just in big boxes too that you just pull out. They're not in things. But I found some uh, cards that this guy obviously kept safe. Some from nineteen fifty two baseball cards. Wow. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go on eBay and check some of those out and see. But yeah, so uh, it's a wildness. So keep everybody dude, updated. I can't wait, man. The, the card van. The card van is alive. <laughs> hashtag card van. Forget hashtag WLT. We're just going to have to go like, what's new in the card van? Oh, that's, that's so fantastic. I love it. That just sounds like it's something like out of Always Sunny in Philadelphia or something like that. Yep. All right. Well, that is enough of a sidetrack, but uh, let me go and make sure I get this name right again. Uh, the winner for the week 
Coleman Hinton at ICY. Congratulations, sir. We'll get your address, and Ty will be sending one of his cards from the hashtag card van over to you as soon as possible. Yep. Listeners, write in your over-unders, your bets for us, or when you see this poll come out, give us all the commentary you want, and you can be the next winner of one of the cards from TV Sports. You can also always write us at Trailcasters on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. You can email us at trailcasters at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Uh, and let's see. Oh, and I already, already lost track of where we're going. We, you can also always find our pod on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Ty. What are we always looking for? Five stars. That is correct. And please always go support your local beat makers, your local artists. You can find Odar's music at soundcloud.com slash odarbeats. In closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you to Ty, as always. Thank you, Odar, for those fat beats. Thank you to our sponsors, Envy Adventures and Clearly Speaking. And thank you, Nate Mann of Blazers Edge, for joining us today. And thank you, listeners, for great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Ripsy basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again, and please come back next week for the next edition of The The Trailcasters. Trailcasters.